Hello and welcome back to the Authentic Artistry podcast with me, Kitty Bazalgette, as your host. This is the podcast in which we explore what it means to find authenticity as a performer. How do we find it? How do we express it on stage? And to try and answer just some of those questions that it throws up for yourself in the process. All of the things that don't quite fit into a minute and a half video on Instagram. Now grab yourself a cup of something and let's get into the podcast. Originally hailing from Manchester, Henry Weeks is a Berlin-based musician and DJ. Drawing on his experience from church choirs to jazz bands and exploring his Brazilian heritage, he aims to create a unique sound world that connects people through movement and emotion. Henry, it's so good to see you. How are you? I'm very good, Kitty. Thank you for inviting me on the uh, on the podcast. It is an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Let's start with the um, quick fire questions. And the first one is, what does authentic artistry mean to you? Uh, authentic artistry to me, just following in your interests and pursuing them no matter what other people think. I would be in total agreement with that. What are three qualities or capabilities in other musicians or creatives that inspire you? Oh, that's a good question. One of them is like authenticity. So, the, you know, the ability to express yourself. Um, like I, I, I know musicians who you can really, you know, are so uniquely themselves when they perform. Uh, and that's something that I strive for. I don't think I'm there yet. So there's that. Um, discipline is something I, um, I admire. And I, I, I think I'm not, I think I, I am slightly disciplined, but just to, especially beyond like university or beyond like being in an institution, being disciplined to do music in the real world can be really challenging. So I respect artists who can kind of do that um, and make time for their art. A third skill, precision. When uh, an artist knows what they want to do, and they kind of focus on that and they know that this is what they're working on, whether that be like a certain type of album or a certain type of genre or a certain type of mix. And not, it doesn't have to be, you know, that can be a, a mixture of many things, but when someone's really focused on their project because they want to make it as good as possible, I think that's a really amazing skill. Those are three three great qualities. Authenticity and um, this. I do an exercise in the first lesson of my elective with students in the conservatoire and we do this exercise where they write down all of the qualities that they think make a good musician mm. and authentic authenticity and discipline come up a lot but I really like that you added precision as well that's a nice one I know it's been interesting for me like um I I, I spend time with conservatoire musicians and I spend time with like non-conservatoire musicians and it's interesting seeing how people reflect on that from different inside and outside of institutions. What's the biggest difference? I, I think I think a little bit is to do with kind of the reality of life and the kind of the grind of being a musician, you know. Mm. And I think I think when you're in a nice cocoon of a conservatoire or like a university as we were, you you have the space to do that. I think when you're let free, you know, you have to find your own gigs and you have to figure out a way to make money and you have to figure out a way to balance your life, you know. That's for me where you start to understand yourself a bit more. And yeah, like it becomes harder to be more authentic 
to make to keep that clear path to keep that discipline you know and to remember why you're doing it in the first place fighting a bit against the difficulties that life throws at you when you're not in education <laughs> right exactly all those fun adult things rejection failure all these fun things <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. Right, let's go back to the the questions. What was the last concert that you went to, that you went to see? <laughs> the last concert I went to was uh, last Thursday. No, Wednesday, sorry, at Pizza Express Jazz Club in London. Oh, um, really? We are very strange. I work for a booking agency as well, so we book, we book artists at Pizza Express and um, ended up going there, meeting the, the owners, and, which was super nice, and... It was funny because it's it's a new job. Yeah, I used to dream of being kind of in that jazz world, you know, kind of slightly more traditional, you know, candlelight and tables and people eating and there's music going on. Mm. Farming was like, this is this is this is amazing. This is the dream, you know. But also, you know, I'm hoping to be on that stage one day as well. So, um, but yeah, very very good gig actually. A, a, a new I forgot the name of the singer, but she was really fantastic. She's like a they had a like a younger uh program of artists from uh from london yeah it was really good gig. i've had a lot of good things about uh the pizza express jazz nights i think it's quite a new project is it no no it's, it's actually so this is i think a lot of people don't know pizza express jazz club it's very old it's, it was made in the 80s um oh. and, and i i forgot i think this is before the pizza express brand so um they have a really long lineage of basically like jazz. Yeah, like his really famous jazz people play there, you know, big names. Um, and I love the more traditional stuff. And they're actually launching a record label as well. Um, but it's very interesting because it's right by Ronnie Scott's in Soho in London. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, it's very, it's very bougie. And, like, I, 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 <laughs> I, I just have, I have no money at the moment, as, 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 uh, as many people do. I'm really... And it's quite funny because the perks of being a musician is that you get, you can get guest lists and you can get like, you know, you get to know people like, you know, you just sat there like someone's giving you wine, which you can never really, you never actually buy for yourself, you know. And, uh, so it was, very, it, was very, it was very strange to me because I've also slightly left that jazz world of, you know, sit down clubs. But actually going back there on Thursday, uh, Wednesday, it reminded me of like, oh, I do quite like this, you know. <laughs> Yeah, nice yeah. to reconnect with it a bit as well, I think. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not all that bad. Okay, question four. If you could have dinner with any musician, performer or artist throughout history, so living or, or dead, who would it be and why? It would be, off the top of my head, Shabaka Hutchins. Um, because all his music is so uh, definitely his. And it's so much thought and personal philosophy has gone into it. I love to try and understand him more as a person. So if I got the chance to sit with him for an hour, I think I'd just love to hear what he was thinking about what he had to say, because I think it would, yeah, illuminate his fantastic music more. And um, I think he's just a very inspiring person, not alone musician. Nice. As I asked you that question, I was thinking... I, re- I ke- it came back to me that uh, you used to be like really obsessed with Dexter Gordon. Oh yeah. And I was thinking, I was thinking maybe you would say Dexter Gordon. He would he would be in the top five, I think. You know, he'd be in the top five, but he would be 
yeah he would be more like a novelty you know a novelty character i'd love to meet him for the novelty you know but <laughs> for the connection yeah you know shabaka's gotta be the one nice how would you describe your music or work to someone who's never met you before that's a good question that that that's almost um that's almost like the biggest that's the, the hardest question to answer uh, I'd so first I'd say I'm an improvised musician uh, improvising musician so that's kind of what I like to do um, and I like yeah like I play kind of improvised music that stems from jazz but it also incorporates a lot of um, different other genres of music and I, I also if the slightly longer answer is that I have kind of three stems of music that I'm interested in so one is electronic music so working with like production and sampling and using like field recordings to like make yeah like these kind of mixes of like yeah like more electronic music um with kind of saxophone and instrumental stuff then i have like a band um of like which uses kind of again like electronics but it has cello and piano at the moment but that's always subject to change um and that is more kind of I, 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 for that, is more like folky, jazz, improvised stuff. And then I also love doing kind of more ambient music. So I do a lot of solo, I, do, I, I, I play a lot of music in different spaces because I'm very interested in how space affects performers and the people listening to that performance and the idea of like site-specific music. Yeah, so I do a lot of like, I play like saxophone in big spaces because I think it sounds cool and it makes the saxophone make so much more sense or, or, or I just play what I like listening to you know that's probably a better answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's a pretty clear explanation if you, you've got like a three-pronged attack with, yeah. with your music mm, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned a bit about um like how you used to want to be in that kind of traditional jazz world mm. can you um explain a little bit about how you found a different path from that I, th I think for me when I was exploring or like listening and learning from my favorite musicians the one thing that always would connect them was that their music was unique to them in the sense that they would use music that from their backgrounds to inform their music yeah, yeah their music so music that they listen to or art that was related to them and so I tried to do the same I tried to think about my background and uh what 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 is my what is what is my culture what's unique to me because ultimately that's the thing as well only I can make my music you know because it's that's because it, we're all unique we're all unique people so like there's no point in copying anyone. It doesn't make any sense. You can learn, but like when it comes to your own thing, there's just, it makes like no sense. So then, and when I think about jazz, you know, it's something that actually I struggle to relate to. And like, it's, it's an African, a black African-American music. Um, and it's something that I have obviously so much respect and have so much joy listening to and learn so much from, but it's not, it's not me. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a white middle class guy from you know suburban Manchester, and that doesn't that isn't to say that I don't have a story to tell, but what is my story and like, you know, what am I what am I trying to say? What why you know why am I doing this? 
Um, and so that made me question not only jazz, but also the, the way that jazz has been institutionalized in a lot of ways and the rigidity of some of the modern jazz, in my opinion, or the kind of the way it's taught. And, um, and for a long time, I then like just went off completely and was like, this is a load of crap. Like, why, why do I spend so long practicing? If, I don't, if it's not even inspiring me, then I, I kind of went back to it and was like, no, that's very naive. You know, there's still lots of learn you'd have to, because it's not for you to have to, I didn't have to dismiss it, but uh, yeah, because I think for me, storytelling is a central part of my music as well, or like what drives me, like what am I trying to say? So it was those kind of principles that maybe made me explore jazz, oh yeah, improvised music, my music a little bit more and maybe took away a little bit from the more traditional jazz setting. That's, it's so interesting hearing your answer around around that I I feel really really similar about classical music which is the majority of 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 my background and this idea that it kind of keeps people a little bit in a box Mm -hmm. um to tell stories of of others which of course are really important but um yeah taking away a little bit of what what is my story what do I want to say and Mm. what am I trying to communicate with with the people who who were listening to me i also for me as well like for me money and being a professional musician is never the driver for what i wanted to do you know so you know i never motivated i know i was never motivated to get better because other people were really good or um you know and i think that i think recently as well like i've become like a freelance i'm a freelance booking agent and i also work for a label and do some freelance stuff and for me, I made that decision because I wanted to, my music to be my music, but I, I didn't want to have to commoditize, com, commodify it because um, sometimes I don't think people want to hear solo saxophone in big buildings, you know? So, and that's fine. I, I don't blame them for it. But then for me, my process of like learning what I want to do and how I want to record and how what I want to say that's going to be involved with it. So like, I need to give that space and the value in that is not in the money it's going to make me because it it's not going to make me any money, you know? And then mm. making that decision, it gave me like the personal freedom, like one thing sorted and now just make time for it. You know, you don't have to worry about the money side, just make some time for it. And like, I'll be able to find out more about myself. In a way, taking back your own agency for playing music like that it's for you rather than to try and sell yeah for sure there's a there's always a balance there isn't there because you have to be yes I mean the music industry is like this anyway though like one day you're nothing the next day you might be something you know but like at the moment I'm nothing and I'm very happy with that because it means like I can just I can just do my thing and like I kind of trust that if I'm doing something no one else is doing that's probably the right thing to be doing you know like, you know, if, if if I'm the only one playing, I know, do, making these sounds at the moment, and I'm not the only one, obviously, that's, but, you know, like, if, as long as I've got the self-belief and self-drive and to, like, just keep saying and the motivation, then that's the most important thing. You you mentioned before about, um, like, you, yeah, okay, you're, you're middle middle-class white guy, but you still have your story to tell. You still have something to say. Mm. What is it that you 
want to say through your music? That's a good question. <laughs> I guess I guess at the moment I don't know. It's funny. Um, but one of the one of the qualities of music I most admire is like vulnerability. Um, and I think especially the saxophone player, uh, saxophones aren't seen as vulnerable instruments. They're seen as quite loud instruments, like at the front, you know, kind of solo, you know, um, I know some people think they're sexy for some reason, you know, like it's quite like, I know they've got an image and there's a, there's a preconception with the saxophone. Um, and for me, that doesn't align with who I think I am in terms of a person. And it's not really the way I, yeah, it's not, it's not who I am. It's not who I want to be. So when I think about what I want to kind of say or what story I want to tell, like, I don't know what exactly that is, but a lot of it revolves around vulnerabilities and insecurities about being uh, someone who doesn't understand who they are, you know? Um, and if I can figure out how to do that on a saxophone, then that, that, that would make me happy. What, what things are you uncertain about with who you are? There's, I mean, there's lots of things. The uncertainty comes from questioning things I've been taught throughout my life about, um, I don't know, values around how communities work and how people should be treated and also around myself, how I present myself and whether I'll be accepted, you know, in the way that I present myself, you know, and that revolves around ideas around masculinity as well. Um, and kind of, yeah, I, like I know ideas around gender fluidity um, and just also, yeah, being comfortable, I know, with myself and being able to show that to people without having to kind of put up some sort of um, mask, you know. I know for me, for me, and, and I, I don't know, the saxophone sometimes kind of epitomizes this kind of idea of, I don't know, like, like the idea of kind of take, I don't know, even the way you can present yourself on stage, I think is very interesting. Um, the way your body language is, like if you're, like, you know, if, if you're on a stage and you're sat down, psychologically that changes a lot for the people watching you. I think questioning why we're taught to do, like do certain things and behave in certain ways. Um, and like questioning that, in life in general but also in performing and yeah trying just to make sure everything actually aligns yeah just trying to make music that I actually think reflects who I am which is someone I'm not sure of yet you uh, you mentioned it, it briefly like this idea that the saxophone is is quite powerful and yeah can can be quite masculine also if you think about a lot of the time in the jazz world it's predominantly men who who are playing mm -hmm. um so it's interesting that this that your kind of experimentation and exploration of how the saxophone can be used comes alongside an exploration of your own masculinity and how you present yourself i don't know, i think it's very important as well to to question that and also question why 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 am I doing it in the first place, you know, and 
what what do I find inspiring? You know, when I listen to my favorite players, it's like why I I find them inspiring because I feel an authentic connection between themselves and the sound that's coming out, and it's very unique to them. I need to spend time thinking about it as well because because there is no right or wrong way. Like one of my favorite saxophonists is Alabaster Plume, and he's got a crazy technique, for instance, you know which is just completely bonkers, but it's so him and it works such a beautiful sound. That's just from someone experimenting and looking for it, you know, and I don't know, I feel like I owe it to myself to try and do the same. That's such a beautiful, like, also reclamation of, of your of your own self, like that you owe it to yourself to be able to explore that, to be able to put it into your creative output. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a similar feeling w- with classical singing sometimes. Like there's such um yeah, institutionalized way of presenting yourself like that you have to wear the dresses, you have to look a certain way, you have to be elegant and dainty and 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 whatever and I find it really difficult sometimes to to see my own place there because mm. my way of expressing myself as a, as a woman is is different from from mm. that mm. so i think i think a lot of instruments and a lot of genres of music need to take a little bit of a look in the mirror to question what stereotypes and what kind of systematic standards they are putting on the people who are wanting to go into that that world Mm. Yeah, I remember we used to the performance classes and looking back, I was, looking back at them now, I just think, what a load of shit. Because like, like, when I think about my favourite performers, everyone, you know, like the performances, like the way you perform is part of your self-expression, you know, the way you present yourself affects the audience, no matter, like, and that includes whether you try and, it, like, if you try and wear something that is, not going to affect the audience that is still affecting the audience whether you're seen or not you know and like yeah what like this is why i'm very interested in like how you you position yourself on stage you know if you sit down like your body language sometimes when i perform i'll wear i'll try and wear like a mask and like a very and i'll try and dress as androgynously as possible because i think that's very interesting because then you can you can allow the audience to project what they think you are onto you you know but I think like yeah I think and I think all these ideas of how you present yourself when you perform are like so important and so individual and affect the performance almost as much as the performance itself that the idea that it can be uniform and that like there's a right and wrong way is just like a load of bollocks and also it's so it's so like detrimental I think because it's 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 um yeah, I don't know. It's, it feels like it's almost ignoring the obvious. It's ignoring the the importance of it. And also it's ignoring the cultural signifiers that, you know, like in the classical world, like wearing, you know, like a dress in your in, in the case you made, you know, that's a, like a cultural signifier to, I know it's, 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 it's referencing ideals around femininity, which are kind of archaic and, uh, you know, also kind of, a lot of it is often westernized and very um and and western ideals around kind of capitalism and high society and all, all this type of thing 
but that affects you know that, that affects how people perceive the music you know if, if i went to a a gig in in a bar of the road dressed in an all black suit you know people are going to think i'm a prick because it's like you know we're just in a bar but that's what it's kind of representing it would be inappropriate whereas you know maybe at these universities they tell me differently i don't know when i look back on some of these performance classes i also feel like it, it's such a breeding ground for for judgment negative judgment and and non non-authenticity because people were always commenting on yeah what how you walk on stage how you talk how you what you're singing what you're what you're doing and there was never a kind of emphasis or encouragement on self-expression it was about playing the piece in Mm. a kind of standard way it's like it's like a homogenization but then the question is again like I think that always the questions to come down to like why why are we doing any of this like what's the point and I'm not playing saxophone to play the saxophone like other people you know because someone else can do better than me so if if you know so so then if I'm not doing it for that then I don't need to care about those types of things like there's also things to learn from that for sure and like I, I, I definitely that's I think when I said earlier about maybe going too far one way I think I, I also have to appreciate how lucky I am to have had that education as well because it has given me mm. a lot of tools really helpful I like at the moment I'm going through a big thing about practicing and trying to figure out how and why to practice and yeah the question's like well why am I doing it you know like if I'm going to spend two hours a day practicing so 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 why you know maybe I don't need to practice scales that much because actually if I ask why am I doing these scales I don't really have an answer to that whereas like maybe yeah maybe like maybe like listening and transcribing some of my favorite songs or trying to like round my own it's like oh no okay I'm doing that because I really like this musician and inspire me and actually I can learn from that you know so kind of asking those questions I think it, it's really hard, but I think it's really helping me at the moment to figure out things to be more, I guess, to be more authentic. I think asking why in when practicing is such an important question and it's one that is not often asked when practicing yourself. Mm. But then you actually f- end up finding out what is it that I want to be doing. And in your case, is is not to be a technically gifted and high kind of this kind of golden circle of saxophone Mm -hmm. players but it's for your own authentic self-expression so what are the things you can do in practice that facilitate Mm. that but that's hard it's hard (laughs) even institution as well like I found this as well because I like when you're in an institution or you have someone telling you like oh you practice this you know Oh yeah, you know that's that kind of makes the the question a bit easier, you know. But like now, I'm I'm actually trying to surround myself with people who I align with musically. So, like we can always like practice together, but we can also help answer those questions together because they're also mm-hmm. not answer alone, you know. Um, they're big questions. So important to have to have that community, to have that kind of collectivism around you for for the support and to know that you're not alone in asking these questions to mm. yourself but they're hard to come by as well I find it very interesting like music and 
I guess artistry in general it's a lot longer than like it's a lot longer than talking to someone once or twice or you know like these questions about why and finding people you really resonate with these are things that take such a long time to, to develop you know and can't really be rushed though they need to also have like an emphasis to get there like I don't know it's this weird kind of push and pull you know it's hard you know there's a a, a desire for it to be a kind of instant and we want things to happen quickly but the real authentic connection with with people is built over over time can you um talk a little bit about your move to Berlin and what is it that Berlin has has given you personally musically that has inspired you and and made you want to to be there to stay there Mm. I moved in 2020. It happened quite quickly. I ended up actually coming here to study, doing like a master's program in music management um, during the pandemic. Because I really needed a change. I like, I was just not sure where I was going or what I was doing. And yeah. And I moved during the pandemic and it was actually for me in a way quite beneficial because, because everything was shut. It gave me a chance to like, just get everything sorted, you know, um, and not kind of have the push and pull of crazy burning to distract me. Um, and to be honest, I actually thought I was done with music when I moved. Well, not done, but I was really struggling to play and I was feeling very uninspired and I just didn't think I was good enough to be a musician, basically. Um, but I moved and just ended up playing more than I ever thought I would, meeting some really inspiring people. I don't know, just really having a drive for it because also I feel doing the music management stuff has been really interesting and useful and it's kind of now what I work in. But um, it reminded me that actually I always want to do music, you know, like that's the thing that I'm actually interested in, you know. Um, for me, Berlin is a city which is so multifaceted in terms of the music and the people and the experiences. Um, and I, I always felt, you know, like I enjoy electronic music, I enjoy jazz music, I enjoy classical music, like everything in between. And this is a city that really literally has everything to such a high level everywhere, you know? Um, so yeah, just being so immersed in that and meeting so many different people from you know, all around the world and being able to absorb different cultures and learning the importance of that. And I don't know, just staying out in the UK and being like, being so lucky to be friends with people from all around the world and yeah, get inspired and learn different perspectives from them. And it's a really amazing thing. And I think like Berlin definitely has its challenges for sure as a city. And there's a lot of things to kind of, a lot of things that maybe you don't necessarily see when you, when I moved, when I moved here during the pandemic, but yeah, as a city, it's just so inspiring. And um, yeah, allow me to express myself a lot more as well, you know, and be who I want to be. Nice. Was there something specific that made you want to pick up the the saxophone again and say, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to play again? Or was it in general, the city itself and and everything that it had to offer? To be honest, I I think it was moving and having a new new scene. Like you know, just kind of, 
I know I, I identify as a musician and I enjoy identifying as a musician, you know, like it's something that I'm kind of proud of, I guess, you know. Um, but then also there was something about the scene here, which was so much like I meet musicians who were very, so good, but also who were just so much more supportive. And like, I, I don't know, I just had such low self-esteem about my saxophone playing. Um, and like, I moved here and basically people were like, oh, you, you're all right, you know? And I was like, oh, that's nice to hear, you know? Um, and I got asked to do like recordings and sessions and play in bands and yeah, people are like, oh, you know, you've give it up, you know? And not that I necessarily, I mean, that's, I'm obviously paraphrasing a lot, but yeah, there was just, because it's Berlin, it's, you know, you'd end up to meet, I'd meet musicians who I'd been listening to for the last four or five years at a bar, you know, and like, oh, wow, and you'd hang out with them. And I just, I don't know, and you can, and then I think for the first six months, I'd be like, I'd meet some amazing musicians and be like a bit starstruck. Whereas now, like, I've, you know, I meet musicians who, like, we both know each other and respect each other and I can have conversations to in a real way. And that's just such an inspiring thing, you know, to be like, yeah, to have real conversations and for someone to kind of look you, meet you at a level, which I never, I, I always thought I was way, you know, I always saw people kind of looking down at me and maybe that was to do with a little bit of university, I don't know, but, you know, actually being in the real world and people kind of, yeah, really respecting musicians actually kind of giving me time and me having so much admiration for and feeling so inspired for people like that. I think also it helps when you start to question things for yourself and recognise your own strengths and own, yeah, your own desires and what you want out of music. And then that helps you to stop comparing yourself with other people because you're more sure of who you are and mm. that's not gonna nobody else can take that away from you mm. I think I think coming here allowed me to learn the value of that as I said like I don't want to be a session musician it's just not why it's just not that interesting to me so taking that out of the question it's like so I don't want to do that I just want to say music and therefore, like, and that, but then, but I also want to play music well, you know, like, and so kind of me recognizing those things. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. But therefore, like, it's something I'm going to do for myself. And I just need to find like my people to do that with. It's no longer about, I know it's just like a different perspective. It's not a top to bottom mm. thing. Anymore. It's not like trying to get, I'm not trying to get a good mark anymore. You know, I'm just trying to make music I think sounds nice, you know, and that's kind of it. Taking the taking the idea of getting marked away is is, is such a relief. It's so like it takes something off your shoulders that's it's so much nicer. I mean, I mm. had that since until last year when I finished my master, and now it's a bit strange being outside the master. But I'm so glad that people aren't going to give me a mark out of ten anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know how you did it for so long. I am very critical of that, but I, I think that is. I think if you're being marked by someone you trust and by someone you value and who again will meet you at a level that is also good I mm. and I like maybe I'm a little bit bitter from like never having that I don't know yeah I think I can only name like one or two people who you know older people teachers who like I, I felt that with you know 
And so one final question before before we close off off this this episode. Um, what would you say to someone else who is looking to find their own authentic artistry? That's a tough question. You can take your time. <laughs> we can edit out the silence. <laughs> the message would be to trust yourself and to develop that a little bit further. <laughs> yeah. Trusting that what you believe is good and following. Mm. If you think something's good and interesting, then it's worth pursuing. Um, and to be, try and be motivated by that and figure out a way to make it work. Connecting with that instinct. So important. Mm. Mm. Henry, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for letting me talk away. <laughs> Super interesting to hear about all of your experiences over the last few years. Mm. Well, thank you for having me. What an insightful conversation to have with Henry. I just love their honesty about not totally knowing who they are and using that as a source of curiosity and exploration for music and creativity, as well as it being reflected in how he presents the saxophone itself and how presentation on stage can truly be experimented with. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly uploads. You can also leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, which is really helpful in getting this podcast discovered and listened to by more wonderful creatives. That's it for today. Join us next Friday for the following instalment of the Authentic Artistry Podcast. Bye.